You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can help the show financially by going to the blackandgoldhockeyblog.com website and clicking on either the Amazon.com or Fanatics.com banners to the right before shopping online. Now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show! Or fights to keep it in, does, has it in the corner to Sanderson, back in front door, shot, scores! Ray Bork. He takes the space, pulling it wide to the right of Tatar. The snapshot over to Rossi. It's loose, and Bergeron scores! Patrice Bergeron! Hello, Bruins fans, and welcome back for episode 64 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Um, I am uh, flying solo today. Um, Court and uh, Rob are on... um, uh, scouting missions. Rob is in uh, Norway, and um, uh, Court is in uh, Florida scouting the Tallahassee Warthogs. Um, no, that is a big joke. Uh, these guys are on vacation, um, so uh, it's 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 just one of those things that um, they need a break, and I completely understand that. So. Uh, with that being said, uh, we do have uh, a couple topics that I want to uh, talk about today, and um, and at the end of the program, I do have uh, a scout and uh, from the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, uh, Craig Eagles, joined me uh, earlier last week for uh, a talk about uh, St. John Sea Dogs uh, former defenseman Jakub Borl and current center. Uh, uh, Cedric Pare, so uh, that would be at the end. But but right now I got to bring in uh, a guy that's going to be covering for the for the two slackers that are on vacation this week. Uh, his name's Colin Beswick, and he writes for uh, SB Nation's Stanley Cup of Chowder, and you can find him at C Beswick. Um, Colin, thank you very much for taking the time today. My pleasure. Happy to be on board. Uh, yeah, it, it just uh, we uh, this. Oh, sorry, I just got kind of bumbling there. Um, we have a couple topics that I want to talk about, and, and we we haven't gotten to the point yet on our show with our full crew about the David Pasternak contact contract, and and I, I'm excited to have him uh, for another six years. But even more exciting is the fact that the Bruins got him um, six hundred thousand dollars over the the original asking price, which I believe was offered sometime in early July. And, and they got him for an unbelievable bargain. Um, so he, he's here to stay. Um, did, did, obviously, you liked the deal, correct? I did. I, uh, there's not much to not like about it. I mean, in a perfect world, you maybe could have got him for seven or eight years. But I think it's a great deal for both the team and the player. Excited to see him play for the next six six years. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he's he's going to be one of those types of uh, building blocks, uh, a young player that is just um, a very flashy, talented, uh, 
skillful. He's got great attributes, and, and he's continuing to learn the game uh, just coming out of his entry-level contract. So uh, it, it is important to have a player like him uh, stick around and, and not to the point that um, – you know, the team got to an area or a scenario like they did with uh, with Tyler Sagan and Dougie Hamilton. I'm, I'm sure you've heard many times of these uh, these being these names being brought up uh, over the summer. But it's definitely good to have him back. And 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 with this, I'm calling it a youth movement. A lot of people say that, too. But uh, with this. Um, the, the youth additions coming in within this year or next year or the year after that, a player like Pasternak is a very important asset, in my opinion, uh, not only to show some a little bit of leadership, but also to be that type of player that um, that is just he's got nasty skills. And I'm excited to see uh, him stick around in Boston for or, you know the next six years. Yeah, I think one of the things with him, too, that gets brought up by a lot of the beat guys and the guys in the locker room is. You know, like you mentioned, Dougie Hamilton and Tyler Sagan and those folks. But with uh, Pasternak, there's an attitude there where he's always willing to learn. And even as I got later into into training camp, I, I wasn't one of those people who really was you know, nervous he wasn't going to sign. I always figured he would sign. It was just a matter of how much it would be. You know, Was it a short-term bridge deal? Was it a long-term deal? And like I said, that that's a, it's a great deal that they got him for. But um, like you said, he's... With him being on for six years, I kind of look at it like he's going to bridge, you know, our generations, you know, the Chara, Bergeron years into maybe the teams that follow that with him and Marchand too having long-term deals. So I think it, it's a huge deal. It's very important for the franchise too to have him back in the fold. Yeah, and, and, and talking about training camp and, and coming right down to the basically 11th hour, uh, I, I also thought that Pasternak was going to be a player that was going to stick around here because he he just you could tell in his body language that he he loves the city, he loves the fans, and he loves his team and his teammates. So, I mean, it it was a it's a perfect fit, but contract negotiations can always be a little you know a little oil and water when it comes to uh, the player agent and uh, Bruins management or any team in the NHL for that matter, but. Um, with you being at training camp on the fourth level in the, uh, in the press box, um, what did, what did you see that really stuck out? And especially, and I'm not even talking about the contracted players. Those guys are already locked in and pretty much going to have a job, but like what young players, cause there was a bunch of them there this year, a lot more than, than, than I've ever seen, uh, who stuck out to you and, and, and. I just want to get your thoughts on that. So I'll preface it by saying that uh, as exciting as training camp is, it's tough to you know to judge a player too harshly or or to get too high on on anyone from training camp. The preseason's a little better, I think, at that because at least it's it's game speed um, as opposed to drills. But um, it's probably easier for me to say who didn't didn't stick out. To start with, one of the guys I was really excited to see was uh, Zach Sinitian, you know, a high draft pick. Uh, a lot of people have high hopes for him. He didn't look bad. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, he looked bad, but he wasn't someone that, that stole the show necessarily. And he's someone I've had my eye on for a while as well. Like I said, when you have someone who's drafted that high, 
Uh, you kind of want them to come in and, and wow them and with all the, the depth they have at forward with all of these prospects. He didn't really, you know, he didn't do enough to, to really stand out for me. Someone who did, and from what I've seen, hasn't got really a ton of attention from, you know, the beat guys or anything. It's actually McIntyre. I thought that McIntyre looked looked a lot stronger. He seemed confident to me. Um, you know, it's not his first camp, but he did struggle when he, he played the few games in the NHL last year. I think there's a legitimate chance with him. Maybe he may not start the season as the backup, but I think there's a there's a real chance he can be battling to become the backup at some point this year with Hudobin. So he was one that really stood out to me. Like I said, he, he saw the puck well, especially um, in traffic. He looked poised and calm in net. Um, so he was one that I have my eye on for this season as well, too. I'm curious to see if, if we see him up at the big club. Yeah, I, um, I, I attended training camp myself, and I, I go to the uh, development camps and training camp. I, I A lot of listeners and my co-hosts know that I schedule my vacation around the summer events when these kids come into Boston for the summer. So um, it's always exciting to get uh, – I'm not, I'm not as close as – as you can get to the players, uh, per se, in the locker room, but um, just to watch their, uh, their training uh, on the ice um, is, is something special to watch. And uh, the, the guy that really stuck out to me, uh, the, there, was a, there was a lot, but if I had to choose one, I, I thought it was 2017 second-round pick Jack Skanika. I thought he really uh, stepped up in his first uh, uh, training camp, uh, the first development camp, and his first uh, uh, main training camp, uh, I thought he showed some uh, uh, a lot of um, maturity, and it looked like he was very, he was willing to learn. Uh, and and the kids got explosive speed and, and great hands. And um, unfortunately, it, it, it happens. But uh, these players get demoted. He was recently uh, transferred back to the Ontario Hockey League's Ottawa uh, Generals um, last week. But uh, in his first game last night, uh, came out and scored two goals and uh, got two assists. So uh, he's definitely on the on the roll to um, have a have a better season than his uh, 18 goals and 35 assists last season. The the player that I was kind of um, disappointed at, and and I might be I might be ca- um, castorized for the for this, but I I wasn't impressed with Rob Gara. I thought that he was. I mean, he's a, he's a big he's a big player. He's not very fast, but his his um, his posture in front of the goal is, is is second to none. I I get his strength and so on in front of um in front of the his own goaltender, but uh, moving the puck, transitioning and so on. I thought that uh, he could still use a lot of work, and and a lot of people still have him high on the chart as making the uh, making the team. Uh, like for a first uh, call up, and even even a guy that could uh, replace Tory Krug, who recently fractured his jaw. Uh, I'm curious of what you thought of uh, Ogara. Um, I am a on the record as an Ogara guy. I do think I don't know if he will. I think he sh- probably is at the point where he could be an NHL defender. It's tough. I mean, they obviously have you know, six or seven established NHL players at this point. I agree with you. I don't think that he really stood out to me when I was at training camp. Um, 
again, I try not to get too high or too low. Right. But there, there certainly were players, especially on defense, that stood out more. Um, McAvoy obviously was one of them who it seems like every time he's near the puck or he touches the puck, you know, he's he's making moves that, that make you kind of sit up and pay attention. And even Carlo, too. Carlo was someone who really jumped out at me. He was one of the few defensemen who was really using his size and using his body, even in drills and training camp, where he was, you know, he was intense, you know, every time he was out on the ice. But with, like I said, with training camp, I would have liked to have seen more, especially from a guy in Ogara who really, I think, has a chance to make this roster, whether it's as an injury fill-in, like you mentioned, for Krug, depending on handedness there. But even as a seventh defenseman between him and maybe Postma as well. Um, I know there are other others in the in the media who are high on him as well. I think it's going to be up to him to really show that he's the best choice out of uh, Zaboral or uh, Postma and so on and so forth. Yeah, I, I one player that I forgot to mention, and, and and this is just like totally dumb on me, but uh, the standout another player that that stood out to me was uh, Anders Bjork. That that that. That kid has just got, I mean, he's still developing, he's still learning, he, and he really hasn't seen any of the pro level yet, but he's still got all the goods of somebody that can really come into this National Hockey League and impress. So, I mean, it, it remains to be seen. That, that That is no doubt about it. But for me, I think that he's, he's, he's definitely going to be a player to watch uh, for the upcoming season. Um, go ahead, so- I totally agree. Even in development camp prior to, to training camp, he was a guy that when he did get it, when he finally got onto the ice there, I mean, he was, dro- he was, you know, dropping some of the, the beat guys jaws. He just, he has very, very high end offensive skills, even as someone who's just coming out of NCAA. And I think, you know, Bruce Cassidy was asked about him on, on a few different occasions during training camp. And, you know, if it makes sense to, to have him with the Marchand Bergeron line, I have to say I, I think that's perfect for him. He has the, the high-end skill to complement them. And I, I don't want to use the word shelter, but you can also sort of shelter a younger player like him by having him alongside two, you know, elite defensive all-around players in Marchand and Bergeron as well. So I, I've said he's one of the few players I, I've kind of stuck my neck out there and said I thought he would make the, the opening night roster which I, I'm usually hesitant to do, but he just has such high-end ability with the puck that it, it's hard to see him not getting a chance at the NHL level, at least to start. Yeah, um, when you talk about Bjork and, and development camp, he uh, there was a four-day uh, festivities at the Warrior Ice Arena back in July, early July, and he didn't. He wasn't there for Thursday and Friday, but when he came in on Saturday, he just basically blew the crowd away. And one of the things that I really noticed about him, uh, and and more than last year or the year before that, when he when he attends these these development camps, was his ability to stick handle in so much traffic. And not only that, but to get off a fierce a fierce one timer when you have literally two or three opposing players in the white jerseys, like so close to you in proximity that. I mean, I know in my beer league, if I even get my stick lifted up that high, these guys are, are basically on me like like white on rice. This this kid just fires the puck at, at at any angle he can get a shot off. 
but his stick handle ability and, and, and basically a phone booth was a, a, just outstanding to me. Yeah, he has he has poise that you just you don't see from someone his age. You know, with the with the puck, like I said, he really stood out. Another guy that was there that uh, wasn't a training camp was Ryan Donato. Was those were my two players that I, I wrote about them coming out of development camp because both of them, it, it was like watching, you know, a whole different league when those guys were on the ice. So, I'm I'm really pulling and hoping to see Bjork make the the opening night roster because, like you said, he he can do stuff with the puck you just don't see from someone at his age. Yeah, and 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 segueing in, into the my next question is, is is which prospect does have the most, um, you know, talent to get to that next spot and and, and secure a 2017-18 Rasta um, uh, spot? And I I definitely think I, I know we're talking about Bjork a lot, but I think it's Bjork, and and I've said this on many on many of our shows here at the black and gold hockey podcast and, and other shows that I appear on on a regular basis, um, that it's Bjork's job to lose in my opinion. And if, if Bjork can't handle it, I don't think that he should have a very long leash. Um, either he's that seventh guy, uh, I'm sorry, the extra skater on the ninth floor or, or sent down to Providence, which I really don't want to see happen. I mean, I, I'm all for, uh, prospects, Developing properly and, and getting some time in the in the AHL with the Providence Bruins, but but this kid and, and his package are, are are pretty much solid, and I believe he's ready. Now, if he doesn't make it and he doesn't get consistency, I, I don't want to see a player like him have have the rope that they given Frank Vitrano. Uh I think that you know a player like Jake DeBrusque, uh should should have an opportunity if Bjork doesn't work out. And then if Jake DeBrus doesn't work out, you know, cycle, cycle these these kids through, get the experience that they need uh, in the NHL, and, and even if it's a a game or two, give them give them the taste because they just feed off of that. And I and I think there's only, and in my opinion, there's only one roster spot, and that's on the left side. So it definitely um, would be Bjork's to lose. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with you on both counts. The two guys, when you you mentioned, you know, the young talent that really I think have a, a real shot are, are Bjork, for some of the reasons you mentioned, and even going back, it's tough to predict. But with him leaving uh, early, you kind of got the feeling that he would get a chance as part of negotiating with the team uh, to join last year. So I, I I won't be surprised, like you said, if he gets a shot to start. If he isn't consistent or if his game needs more work and he gets sent down to Providence, there's certainly other guys who can who can jump in and even for a short-term fill-in. I think DeBrusque, like you mentioned, is is probably 1A on that list of guys who um, have a realistic shot of, of being on the roster and not just being on the roster but being effective at the NHL level as well, um, You know, having some pretty high-end offensive skills. And for any young player, the defensive game is going to be probably a bit of a more cha- more of a challenge in some regards but you know if you you're putting them on a line with a you know a Patrice Bergeron they're not going to have to be as defensively responsible as maybe you know in a different role yeah i i i i like the kid i i, I watched him in the WHL um a lot since when he became a Bruin and when, when he was drafted as a Bruin he was actually playing for the Swift Current Broncos 
and then got uh, traded to uh, Red Deer, which was a, a whole different thing. And I think that was because uh, they were hosting the Memorial Cup. Um, so, I mean, Jake, Jake's just got uh, a, a, a pail full of, of attributes that, um, I mean, he can, he can score, he can skate, he can stick handle. And he's got that little nasty side that I think his, his you know, his father uh, Louis DeBrusque had when he when he played back in the uh, in the day. So um, I I hope to see him sooner or later. I don't think he I don't think a guy like DeBrusque is going to make a, a full eighty two game schedule. But like I said earlier, you know, giving him a taste and going down to Providence isn't a bad thing at all um, for anybody's development, and it's just going to make them better when they. The next time they come up, they're more prepared and, and ready to uh, ready for the challenge. I think that's a big part of what this year should be, or maybe will be, is like like you're saying, is getting a lot of these near NHL level younger players a chance, even if it's two or three games or eight or ten games or whatever it is, you know, to get them some experience there, see what the organization has in depth, and if they do get sent down to Providence, you know, it's really no harm to the team they'll adjust they'll learn from their experience in the NHL and and hopefully be back up uh, more prepared at the NHL level so from as a storyline I I'm, I don't know if I've been as excited to see some of these younger players in a long time especially under Bruce Cassidy and he's been preaching a lot about pace 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 wanting to play you know at a higher tempo getting the puck out of the defensive zone you know cleaner and quicker so I think that'll be to the benefit of a lot of these younger players, depending on who does make the roster. I think that's sort of tailor-made towards a lot of their games. So it'll be interesting to see how much of the coaching aspect has to do with these players' success as well. Yeah, and, and you brought up um, Bruce Cassidy, and, I, and that's a fantastic segue into a question that I didn't even have on my list, but I'm going to add it anyway. Um, with this youth movement, and, and like you said, I'm – you're excited. I'm excited. I'm a prospect guy, and I I, I constantly watch games. I constantly um, following them, reading about them, um, whether it be uh, listening to um, the Pipeline podcast from uh, Guy Fleming, uh, Dobber Prospects Radio, um, or Steve Kellyanos, and uh, or um, uh, uh, friend Dominic Tiano. These guys all have been writing about these kids and, and, and their and their production through their development. And, and, and I'm really excited. I mean, there's no, nothing more than I want to see four or five of these kids make the roster. But I'm a realist. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. Just for the fact is that there's, um, you know, there's, there's a pretty much a whole roster that's already locked up. If you look at Cap Friendly, you can see that all their numbers – the contracts are pretty much taken out. There's possibly one or two spots available. Who knows? But with Cassidy coming in as a full coach, um, you know, there's no there's no 18 games left. And I mean, even though the Bruins adjusted well to his style and um, and bought in early, uh, I be- I believe the beginning of this upcoming season is going to be very important. But I'm not going to hold back on anything that happens, especially if these kids do make the roster. If they do make the roster, then I'm really fully involved in thinking that, yes, this youth movement is strong and it's going to happen sooner than later. More or less, I'm the type of guy that sees the trends of, of previous coaches like Claude Julian 
and how the management um, handled some of these young kids and and their their favoritism, if I could say that, uh, on veteran players. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I I think I lean more towards where you are in terms of roster availability to start the year. I, I see maybe one or two maybe three depending on how the roster shakes out and part of it like you mentioned is coming from the the Claude Julien era of like you said sort of relying on veteran players Uh, it you know it's something that was asked to Bruce you know during his media availability and I think he's holding his cards a little you know pretty close to his vest understandably because it depends on how some of these kids show here for me personally not anything that I that I know or or am in the know, but I tend to to agree with you. Or I can see you know Bjork making the roster on the wing, maybe another younger player making you know, a younger forward making it, and then potentially, like I said, an, an Ogera as a an injury replacement. But anything more than that, until it actually happens, I'm I'm not really sold on it because you have you know it's not you still have fourth line and third line players that have some skill and or have high contracts that you're looking at. Like a Matt Bolesky, he was hurt last year. If he bounces back and can be a 20-goal guy, then, I mean, he's not about to lose a roster spot. Even someone like a Schaller or a Nash, they can play really either wing and center. Both of them are effective penalty killers. So there's a special teams aspect to it too. So as much as it would be exciting to see four or five or six of these young kids coming in similar to like a Toronto last year. I just don't know if it's realistic because you still need penalty killers. You know, it, it, I just have a hard time seeing the organization losing a a Riley Nash or a Schaller or an Achari or really any of those guys in order just to get in some younger players. When you think about waivers and all of that too, I just, you know, for injury replacements, I can see it happening, but I'm not holding my breath expecting, you know, four or five young players to make the opening night roster. Well, well speaking of holding your breath, um, how, how do you feel about the games of um, of this, the preseason so far? They're 3-0. and They got a game tonight against Detroit uh, on the NHL Network. Um, and I'll, I'll just jump in and just say I, I've been impressed because of the fact is that the, the lineup's been changed so much, and people have been used in certain scenarios more than others. Like, for instance, Bjork. The other night, I saw Bjork on so many different lines. and I mean, like, Cassidy was just throwing him out there in every situation. It just seemed like that kid was just eating up the minutes. But it was good to see him with like players like uh, Marchand and Bergeron and then go down the line and play with Krejci a little bit. So, I mean, but the... In preseason, everybody knows that the lineups are constantly changing. They're trying to find chemistry and so on. So with with the preseason at three and zero right now, and and rosters moving around and 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 you just can't really get anything. I, I've seen a lot of good things out of this team and the players that have been carried on the preseason roster, which is obviously going to get cut down, I believe, uh, maybe after tonight. But sure. um, yeah, but what um. I'm curious what you've seen so far, and, you know, is it something that people should get worked up about, happy about, or or just wait till the first game of the season when the when the solid roster is put out and, and the 
uh, campaign begins. So it's <laughs> probably not going to earn me any fans on Twitter, but I like to. I'm someone. Who don't likes wor- don't worry. You're. It doesn't matter who's on Twitter. You're a fan of mine. <laughs> who cares? <laughs> I like to. Uh, I'm firmly in the sort of the, the patience. Uh, camp if you will with this and the preseason has been enjoyable from a viewpoint standpoint but it's also been a bit wacky with all of the the face-off violation penalties and the slashing penalties and uh, so it's hard to just to take too much away but at the same time to your point they have looked really good and also to your point I, I think Bruce is very obviously trying some of these younger players in different roles to see if they're compatible, to see if they're versatile enough to to play on the third and fourth line if a spot isn't open, you know, next to Krejci or next to Bergeron. And that was something that uh, was brought up, you know, when we were in training camp to Bruce was, do you almost have to be a player who can play multiple positions, meaning, you know, right wing, left wing, center to make this roster? Because there's such a depth at forward, if you're a player that can only play, you know, left wing or can only play right wing, you're almost at a disadvantage. And you know, he admitted that that's sort of a factor at this point, where they're looking for players who can be versatile, who can play up and down the lineup, and also in different roles. So, I'm not. It's tough to to predict, and you know, they have to get a certain amount of veterans into every game too. But it's very clear that. It's really much more about the evaluation of the younger players um, in each of these games. And like you said, the the first real roster cuts should be coming most likely tonight. When uh, I I talked to Bruce about it, he thought it would happen earlier than that. Um, They did return, like you said, uh, Studenica to his OHL team so he could start his season along with camp invite uh, Kieser, Kaiser. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I think after the first cuts, it'll get the picture will be much more clear. I think at that point, and then you're getting to guys who are really honestly fighting for a chance to make the opening night roster. Well, what well, you mentioned when you talked to Bruce about about the roster spots, and and he thought it would be a lot earlier. Well, that automatically tells me that this is going to be a very tough decision when it comes down to it. Yeah, I, I agree, and. I, uh, Bruce is certainly, in my limited experience with him, someone who isn't afraid to give an answer. If you ask him a question, he's generally very candid and open in his response. And that, I mean, multiple uh, media members have asked that. You know, every year you you go to camp or as a fan, you're listening and they they talk about competition. And yes, there's always competition. But most years, most of the positions are locked up already. This year, I mean, there are. I've never seen so many young players who legitimately could be on an NHL roster and are fighting for it. So I don't think it's any lie to say that, you know, Bruce and in, in the training and the coaching staff are really probably having some hard decisions to make over the next week, week and a half here, because there is, there's just so many, especially at the, at the forward position, so many players that they really have to stand out you know, in the coach's eyes to get a chance to play. One thing I've noticed out of the um, the preseason that I've been very impressed with, and, and uh, this kid, oh, this person, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say kid. This person, Alex, I, I, I can't say his last name, but he, he's he been really insightful and, and sending me some tweets here and there. But uh, the one tweet that I did mention, and I, I, was, I was real 
impressed with the penalty kill in these uh, in the, in the short sample size of this preseason, and um, and he tweeted out the other night that the Bruins haven't given up a power play goal yet. Now I, I know it's I know it's preseason and the and the roster is constantly changing uh, and shifting and rotating, but. Uh, obviously the penalty kill is something that they want to work on and they want to work on it early and not try to figure it out at the beginning of the season and get it in tune by November, uh, you know, going down to the, uh, to the playoff stretch. Um, is that something that impresses you the way Bruce works with these young players in the mix of veterans? Yeah, I think that's sort of um, when he came aboard, that was sort of his calling card as someone who could work, who works well with, you know, younger players, which, you know, for better or worse, Claude out, you know, sort of had that stigma around him that he wasn't always great with the younger players. But Bruce is someone he's very active as a head coach. You know, you were at training camp as well. You can see him on on the ice directing players, you know, giving advice. Um, like I said, he's very candid and open in my experience with him. And I think as a young player, knowing where you stand with the coach is probably an important uh, piece of it, knowing what you have to work on, you know, what the coach is asking from you as well. The penalty kill is interesting. I think you're right. I don't think they've given up a, uh, a power play goal so far this year, which is sort of incredible given that it's, you know, preseason and you've had, you know, Subban and McIntyre and all these different goalies in too. Um, I keep going back to some of the players from last year, though, where they had a, a very effective penalty kill, and I just don't know if they are really going to want to shake up that, you know, those players at those positions just for the sake of getting a younger player in. So, you know, it, it's 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 hard to be a head coach. I guess is what I would say. He has some really hard decisions to make. Uh, definitely, but he but he seems so comfortable when he when he speaks uh, to the media, and I'm not I'm not part of the media, but when I when I see the Twitter footage and 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 your writings uh, at the Stanley Cup of Chowder uh, SB Nation, um, it just seems like he's 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 way past what he did in in Washington so many years ago, um, and and he's ready for that challenge now, and and bringing on. Uh, a, a coach like him, and then bringing up, um, oh, and I already forgot his name, um, Kevin Dean. Dean, yep. yeah, bringing in Kevin Dean, and and you know uh, Jamie Langenburner has been great with the, with these younger players. I, it just, I'm 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 getting ready to to buy into this, and more than ex- than I've ever had in the past, and, and I'm excited, but. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely some tough decisions that are going to be made uh, coming down to uh, October 5th when they when they when the roster is finalized. And uh, with that being said, in all in all the the, the summer events that we we've both been uh, attending, oh, you know what I wanted to ask you is um when you're up on the fourth floor and you're behind the glass, can you actually hear anybody on the ice? You can hear. Um... It's muffled, depending. You can hear. It also depends on how many people are on the ice, how many people are in the stands. Okay. Uh, yeah, you, you can hear some of it. The reason why I was asking is because this is something that I've never seen in my experience. And, I, and I, I, like I, I've only been going to these camps for about three years. So it might have happened before. I'm not saying it never happens. But I was actually impressed the way 
and if you could say that I'm impressed when somebody yells at somebody, it is kind of an understatement. But I was actually very impressed when Bruce saw something in camp, stopped the play, and acknowledged the player with a stern voice, like, please don't do that again. Work on it harder. Be the better player here. And and um, the one player I noticed that he was uh, really riding a little bit, Not I'm not saying that he was doing the... The uh, the Mike Yo in in um in in Minnesota a couple of years ago when he was swearing and and, and throwing his stick around he wasn't doing that, <laughs> but um he was really getting on JFK Jakub Vosbraka Carlson and uh, for a player that's a prospect that's so highly touted I I just I, I was really surprised at that and and it made me think more of of how Bruce is going to really. Uh, take a grip of this this bench uh, this upcoming season and and be more of a, a voice instead of um, uh, the guy that's just behind you tapping you on the shoulder telling you to go out when you're ready. Yeah, I think it's a storyline that with all the youth and everything probably hasn't got as much play as maybe it should have. Um, it, it's his team. He, the interim tag's gone. It, it's his team, his decisions, his system. Um, so... It's going to be huge, especially to start the year, to see how much or how different uh, his teams are going to play. And on, on JFK too, you bring that up. Um, JFK is someone who has obviously had you know Bergeron comparisons, which is probably not fair for any young player, but right. he's certainly highly praised. Um, he was a player that I was fortunate enough to to hear both Bruce himself speak about, as well as some of the other players. And the one consistent thing that I heard from everyone is that JFK has all of the skill. He has NHL level skills. It's that he's such a cerebral player. And, you know, you sometimes hear that about Krejci and other playmaking centers that he's always thinking the game instead of maybe just feeling the game. Um, and so both Bacchus and, and Bruce Cassidy in particular talked about, you know, both of them trying to pull him aside and working with him. To, to kind of just say, you know, listen, you have the skills. Don't overthink it. Just go with the flow. You know what you're doing. Because Bacchus in particular was saying it can almost slow down the game, especially with new line mates. If, if JFK as a center is, is overthinking the play and the pace of the game and everything, it makes it tough, especially for his new wingers. So it'll be interesting to see because I think the organization has very high hopes for him. Um, personally, I... I don't think a, a full year or a half year in Providence would be the worst thing for him. Um, but it is interesting to hear a lot of the, you know, the candid talk about, you know, maybe why it is that they're pulling aside or maybe why it is that Bruce is perhaps giving him a little more attention than maybe some of the other players. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like all the words that you said about that, about players like that, it is more, it just comes down when you put two and two together those are those are really like uh, catered to like pass first players. Am I correct, or is that way off? Uh, yeah, I think when you think about that, um, like I said, you know, I use the Krejci comparison as someone who's, who's more of a distributor than a scorer. I don't want to pigeonhole JFK into that because I think that he has the ability to be a scorer as well. Um, I just think that his primary focus is to distribute. He's thinking more about how to set up his teammates in his positioning and all of that more so than, you know, maybe a shoot first center, which these days is pretty rare to be honest. Right. 
All right, Colin, the, the last question we have for you, and, and definitely thank you very much. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of your writings at Stanley Cup of Chowder, SB Nation, um, and a definite follow. Um, is your season expectations coming up? Um, the, the Bruins obviously uh, were out by the Ottawa Senators in the, in the first round. When you look at this team on paper, and I'm talking about the contracted players, when you look at Cap Friendly and you look up down the lineup of contracted players, um, without any movement over the summer uh, via trade uh, or, or, or uh, free agent acquisitions, I know that Kenny Agostino came in on a really uh, under a million dollars, pretty much a, a player that's going to uh, push these uh, developing uh, prospects uh, and, and might even earn a spot. I'm still uncertain about that, even though he scored a sick goal the other night. Where do you see this team going? Do you see them making the second round? Do you see them even possibly making the third round? It's the million-dollar question. I think they will be a playoff team. I think it's you know like any year with a team that's maybe not a contender, it's going to come down to seeding and who they face. I could see them winning a, a you know a first round, especially against maybe a a favorable matchup. Um, I don't know how much farther than that, but the flip side to that coin and the danger and <laughs> and making a decision this early is, you know, they faced off against a, obviously a, a hot Ottawa team last year. If they had beaten Ottawa, who's to say they couldn't have made it another round or so? So it, hockey's such a hard sport, especially in the playoffs to predict. Like I said, I do think that they will they'll make the playoffs. I'd like to see them win a round. I think that would be important for the development of the team to move forward. I, I, I think anything more than that, at least at this point, and I'll reevaluate as the season goes on, is, is probably like, maybe use the word found gold, if you will. Yeah, and, and for, for me, I, I also do believe that they are going to make the playoffs because they, they have that taste. And, and now, like, like two years ago when they were out of the playoffs – the goal was to make the playoffs. So now last season they did make the playoffs. So now the goal is obviously to get to the second round. So um, with that being said, I, 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 I want to say they, they are going to make the playoffs. But to play playoff hockey, you definitely have to play that style of game during the 82-game schedule. And I'm talking... You know, you cannot lay over to teams like Arizona. You can't lay over at like Florida. I mean, even though Florida is going to be a great, um, uh, probably a, a better team than last year, along with like play, uh, teams like Carolina Hurricanes. But you know, th- those 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 teams that seem to be beneath the the Bruins' talent are always the ones that seem to sneak in a, a really crappy win. And, and those points are the ones that people look at at the end of the season. So if, if, if this team can put a playoff um, uh, mentality together during the 82-game season, I think that they're going to have a, a, a great uh, first round. Um, but it, I'm, it still remains to be seen for me on how far they go with that. Yeah, that's well said. Like I said, hockey, and that's the beauty of it, is any team really – in the playoffs can can get hot especially with a good goaltender but to your point about some of these i don't want to use the word lesser teams but you know maybe statistically speaking you couldn't be more right about that at the end of the year those are the games that fans and coaches alike are looking at to say well we we lost two points here we lost a point there yeah 
And, I mean, I look at some of the teams in the conference and in division, and I look at Tampa Bay, I think they didn't perform maybe as well as they should have with a lot of the talent that they have on that team this year. I think they should be improved. I think you mentioned Carolina. I think a lot of fans, they probably don't get any attention given the market, but I think they're much improved. They have some really great young defensemen too. Um, so it, it'll be very important to your point that they're not leaving any points on the table, that they're coming out ready to start games. And towards the end of Claude's tenure, that was you know a, a very big talking point among the, the Boston media was that the team didn't always seem ready at the start of games and they were giving up leads early. You know, hopefully we'll see under Bruce's system, especially with, you know, maybe a bit of a youth movement that uh, this team's ready to come out against every opponent, whether they're, you know, the Blackhawks or the Penguins or if it's the New Jersey Devils, that they're ready to play to get those those points every night. Well, well said. Uh, I got to tell you, if I was a coach of a National Hockey League podcast team, um, you would be my rookie to come in and do a great job. Um, welcome to the uh, the podcast world, Colin, and I hope you get more opportunities to talk to other great um, uh, programs out there. Um, I want to thank you very much. You can follow Colin on Twitter at C Beswick, and you, uh, like I said, you can uh, also read his writings at uh, SB Nation Stanley Cup of Chowder. Colin, thank you, uh, top notch, and I really appreciate the time. Appreciate having me on. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, Mark. And we'll definitely have you back on sometime during the year when we can get um, Court and Rob together and and uh, have a nice uh, full way discussion. Because um, I'm not sure if you've heard our program before, but those those two guys really know what they're talking about, and uh, we we have a, a great time doing it on a weekly basis. So, and and the addition of you um, coming in uh, after the Bruins have gotten a couple few games in uh we'd love to have you back looking forward to it awesome thank you very much everybody and uh, uh coming up next is my uh interview with uh craig eagles he's a tv analyst and uh quebec major junior hockey league scout for um in the general area of the st john sea dogs and we're going to talk to him about uh former defenseman jacob sporel and current center and 2017 draft pick cedric Pare. stay tuned Hello, Bruins fans, and as promised, um, I have Craig Eagles. He's a, uh, t- a TV color analyst, writer, uh, covering everything Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. You can find him on Twitter at EAGS37. Craig, thank you very much for taking some time today and talking about um, uh, some a past player that played for the St. John Sea Dogs in the queue and, and a current player that was recently drafted by the Watson Bruins. Yeah, Cedric Paré, a six-round draft pick, Mark. Uh, uh, two games under their uh, under his belt back in, in junior. Looked extremely well. Uh, played in uh, on Friday night. Played great, or on Thursday night, actually. Opening uh, opening night of the uh, the queue. And, of course, uh, Jakob Zaborl saw him for, for the last three years uh, in the Sea Dogs uh, uniform. Yeah, um, let's let's talk about Zboro first. Um, he he was recently sent down uh, to the Providence Bruins to attend their training camp uh, as as their season is approaching as well. Um, uh, tell me about I I you, you've known from our Twitter conversations that I'm a huge fan and and I've, I'm a huge follower, but 
more or less I'm, I'm not i'm not around the team like you are and and see these players like you do but i'm more or less i stream and and i read um uh, updates from you and uh and jamie tozer from uh, sb um oh, what's the website is that uh station nation station yeah. nation i'm sorry yeah that's, but, uh, no that's all right he's a fantastic read i i definitely um uh, recommend you uh follow him for anything st john's he dogs and also follow uh, the guy that's on the line right now, Craig Eagles. Uh, <laughs> but let's talk about uh, Zaboral and, and, and his game. And, because a lot of people, like I, I, I talked to a, a while ago, believe that his, his point um, production, when it goes up and down, that's a huge concern. And I kind of like uh, try to be the guy that says that uh, don't believe in everything you see in a stat sheet. Uh, trust the people that see it on an eye test. So... Uh, this is your platform, my friend, and uh, let me know what kind of pro uh, Jakob Zaboral can be in the Bruins organization. Well, I, Mark, to be to be honest with you, I, I love the progression this kid has made uh, at the junior level, and I think there's a lot of pressure on Jakob coming over, and especially uh, he played so well in his draft year, and, and you know, drew so much attention from NHL scouts. And that's why one of the reasons why Sweeney took him so high is he, he loved their, and this is what I've heard from other NHL scouts and especially some central scouting uh, around this area is they loved his tenacity, his grit. Um, he's not going to be an offensive threat at the pro level. I see him as a four, maybe five, six defenseman He's got great offensive instinct. He knows when to jump in. He's got a tremendous first pass. But it's the progression that he's made as a person, I think, and as a player, especially last year, coming off uh, of a down year um, with with St. John, really turned things around. Uh, Paul Boudelier now with uh, the Senators organization really had a lot to do with that. And I think... Boots put it so well is some of those penalties that we, and some some of the undisciplined p- play that we saw out of Zaboral um, two seasons ago really was just trying to do too much and trying to be the aggressor and they really worked on that they worked on the cross checking penalties um, and I think where Zaboral gets into trouble is when he tries to do too much and the last time I talked to him. Um, last season and, and wrote an, uh, an article on him was he's not Thomas Shabbat and he doesn't claim to be Thomas Shabbat. When Zaboral is effective, he is making quality first passes, jumping into the rush and playing well in his own zone. And it's when he tries to do too much, that's when he, he takes himself out of the play. That's when you see the turnovers. That's when you see, uh, ill-advised pinches and, and getting caught up it, up ice. And I think some seasoning in Providence, uh, personally, and I've talked some, to some NHL scouts about this, he needs some seasoning. It's going to be about a year and a half to two-year process for, for Jakob down below, but I really see him fitting in well with the Bruins moving forward in two years. Yeah, the um, a lot of the things that you were talking about was that first pass and his vision. Um, uh, I, I I've seen that in streaming games uh, because the since he's been a draft pick of the Bruins since 2015, my 
my target has been on those guys, and I start following all their progression and, and watch as much video as I can on players. So uh, I've been very involved in watching him. Um, but that's the eye test that I'm, I'm streaming from. I really don't get that feeling um, when I see his real true skill. Um, but I did get to see that at the at recent development camps and training camps that he's attended. And and you're absolutely right. I mean, just watching his his repetitive plays when they go through the drills, um, he does have tremendous vision. He does have a great, good um, uh, stride uh, while while possessing the puck, and um, and the ability to um, you know to cover that puck while moving uh, you know offensively. But you're, you're absolutely right, though. He's more of like that stay at home kind of kind of defenseman um, that nice. that can jump in, like you like you mentioned, but. Just those, just those training uh, drills that he went through. I was, I was really impressed. But you know, I did see some uh, some scrimmages, but it's really not game type that I'm really asking, and and right. that's why I'm having you on because you you really get close to this guy and see uh, and saw uh, his his progression. Well, he's got a tremendous shot, and a, a season ago, um, you know, the year after he was drafted, so 2016, he really struggled. Um, wasn't getting a lot of play, uh, power play time. That's why the offensive numbers uh, dropped off a little, Mark. But he's a tremendous skater. Last season when Shabbat was um, in Ottawa to, to start the season, Jakob played so well, so well on the power play, really quarterback things. And a lot of people thought in 2016 that he was just disinterested. And I think, and me included, at the junior level, I think, and he told me this um, in the interview, he thought coming back to junior was going to be easy. It's not. And he said it so well. It's a young league, and players aren't in the right position. So he struggled with that. And especially, you know, he, he had multiple D partners, so really, last year was a calming year for him. And again, Paul Boudelier had had a massive impact on both Shabbat and uh, Zaboral. And without boot, Boots there and Danny Flynn at the helm, I don't think St. John go as far as they, they did all the way to the Memorial Cup, of course. But I think, and I, I don't know if you're a fan of this uh, former Bruin, but I see a lot of similarities with... Uh, Andrew Ference and, and Jakob Zaboral. I, I really do. When Ference was uh, effective, he was jumping into the play, and Ference's skating was, was top-notch, um, in his prime, of course. I, I just see Jakob has a little bit more offensive upside than, than Ference does, but there's a lot of similarities uh, between their games, and I think like I said before, I think Jakob is really going to take, you know, this year and this year and a half in, in Providence and really develop as a player, both on and off the ice. And I think he needs a challenge. I, I really do. I think last year playing and being on a championship team was good for him. And, you know, again, Jakob was one of these players that, all the way through, played up a level. So he didn't really know. He was the quiet kid in the dressing room. He didn't really know how to be a leader. And I think, you know, 
this year in Providence. He's going to, and there's a good blend of character guys down there. And with a young coach, I think he's really going to, to really blossom. And I think you're going to see good things from this kid. And, and it's, Mark, to be honest with you, it's a tough transition for, for a lot of these players, these import players coming to North America as, you know, 17, 16, 17, 18 year old players. They're just not used to it. And from, from the buzz that I've heard, a lot of imports are, are homesick. They're on Skype. They're on their phones all night talking to friends and family back home. It's a really tough transition. Now, I don't know if that's that's true with, with Jakob, but you could see a progress, progression um, really in the last three years with, with St. John. So I, I, I think the sky's the limit. I think he's going to be a real good professional. I, I, I completely agree with everything you say. And, and just, uh, just to throw in something that um, he will be, he is eligible for his first year American Hockey League per the CHL-NHL agreement. So I kind of feel that um, every year, and I'm looking at the stats right now, and, and every year it seems like he's getting better offensively uh, with, with increased stats as he goes along. So, uh, as a professional in his first year, I believe that new head coach and former defenseman Jay Leach is going to really take a player like him and kind of groom him into the into the way this Bruins uh, uh, Bruins style of of defense and 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 covering the end zone um, that they've done so for so many years in history. As as the Bruins have been well known as being a one of those uh, top teams in, in the defensive uh, area. I believe that his development at that at that first AHL year is really important, uh, and I also believe that he's also going to stay there for the full season, which is just going to benefit him and the organization moving forward. Yeah, I, I don't see them moving him back to junior. I, he's he's accomplished everything that that he needs to be, and that needs to be done, of course, uh, at the junior level. Um, I totally agree with you, Mark. That Boston and Providence have a tremendous uh, relationship with regards to <clears throat> what they do um, and, and the transition. And we saw that last year with so many young players coming up to Boston and having success, especially defensively, because they, they run the same systems. And um, I think you can really see that with the philosophy um, of both organizations. And, and that goes back to Claude Julian's impact uh, on this franchise. Uh, I'm a big fan of Claude Julian. I think he um, he really established the, a defensive um, you know ideology that's really kind of carried over. And of course, Cassidy's brought a good transition game and, and more offense. But um, I think you're exactly right. I think Jay Leach is going to be very good for him. And I see I see the kid getting lots of uh, power play time on the second unit down there. And if he's got a tremendous release, it's accurate. I think he, if he works on his shot and gets it off a little quicker, I think he can score at least 10 goals down there. I really do. Nice. Um, moving away from the defensive aspect and, and, and former uh, uh, good player for the St. John Sea Dogs, um, I'm going to move on to Cedric Parre, who was uh, drafted uh, this past June 2017 at the, at the uh, NHL entry draft in Chicago. 
Um, I don't know much about him, but I've seen a little bit of video, and I've, I've seen him at development camp, and also thought he made a real big impact on uh, rookie camp and, and a few days of um, of main training camp before he was sent back to John's of the queue. Um, let me let me know what you know about Cedric and, and what kind of player he is, and and if he could, if what kind of role he played in um, in 2016-17 when he got. Points in 64 games, but can you move up into a, a top six and be more productive player? Well, here's a, a perfect example of a kid that didn't necessarily get a lot of ice, and, and in his draft year, uh, the Bruins actually uh, drafted Cedric, and but he's full of potential, Mark. He really is, and. People can't get carried away. Cedric is is going to be an impact player for the St. John Sea Dogs in a, in a second center role um, this year. He's going to be playing behind Joe Valeno, of course. But Cedric, the sky is the limit. This kid, you know, I talked to him uh, a day after the draft. He was very, very happy that uh, he was chosen by the Bruins. This kid just, whenever there was an injury, whenever St. John got in penalty trouble last year, Danny Flynn moved this kid up and down the lineup. But when they loaded up to, to make a run, he, he just played fourth-line fourth center minutes. And he was a good energy player. He's reliable defensively. Offensively, I think through two games, I think he needs to be a little bit more selfish, to be honest with you. Um He's got a good release. He needs to, to work on that. But here's a kid that, you know, a six-round draft pick, but he can really, in my opinion, he can really improve and, and come the farthest. Um, you know, I think I'm sure the Sea Dogs, and I, I went on record saying that they probably have him penciled in for at least 25 goals this year. Uh, he played second-line power play uh, minutes uh, and really did a good job offensively and defensively in the in the game that uh, that we covered that I covered and um, it's just he's got to really focus in on getting stronger and working on his skating and that's what the Bruins actually told him I, I did an, a, an article and uh, on him just before main camp and uh, that's that's what they told him and they've been very transparent with with their uh, prospects mark and you know that's that's a great aspect to have if you're the Boston Bruins, and I think Jamie Landenbrunner has been a been a great addition by uh, by Don Sweeney bringing him in and, and uh, to look after player development. But you know Cedric looks um, he looks quicker. He's got a good first step now. He's a lot stronger than he was last year, and I think he's he's going to turn into a good you know projecting. Uh, at the pro game, I think he's going to be a good third or fourth line center, and, and you know we we know the value of having that uh, that type of player in your lineup. Uh, he, he's going to kill penalties for for St. John this year. You know he's going to play in every situation. Which really, you're, you know, as a as a kid, you want those opportunities, and I I, I really do believe that Cedric in in you know in two years is is going to 
be playing professional and and you know it's another example of a here's a kid that where's the kid going to be at 20 you know where's the kid going to be at 21 because really you know you got to credit alan uh, bisonette here uh the bruins scout uh in quebec to to really kind of acknowledge the the skill and and the skill set that that cedric has and uh props to props to the bruins i think i think they uh they picked a player that Sure, he needs work. He needs seasoning, but um, I, I really do believe this kid's going to be a good one. And he's not going to—he's not going to play top six minutes at the pro game. He's going to be a bottom six guy. But once he fills in and gets a lot stronger, and I think he's going to be a good player. Yeah, and and what I saw at, at development camp and training camp was his um, his um, ability to absorb. Uh, he was very very good about listening to uh, Patrice Bergeron, especially on the face-off dot. Uh, those guys really worked hard on, on I believe, uh, what he was trying to teach him was the new rule that was coming in. And, um, and I mean, it was, it was good to see that he just, he just sat there and just really absorbed his first pro experience uh, after being uh, selected in the June's draft. And um, I, I thought he had a great attitude. Um, obviously, uh, he knows, and the organization knew by bringing him back that he's going to need some more development and and more work to his game. Obviously, the biggest thing is is to bulk up in size and get a little better um, uh, defensively. But that that goes along with any prospect that's that's making a, uh, a developmental transition into any league in the in the in the, in the pro level. So uh, a lot of solid things that I saw from him. Um, and I also got to meet him, which was really cool. And I thought he was a very, very stand-up guy, class act all the way. Um, yeah. Him, uh, Jake DeBrusk, and um, Zach Senishin were all outside Warrior Ice Arena in Brighton, Massachusetts, for the uh, this past uh, week's uh, training camp. Uh, they were waiting for an Uber, and I kind of went over and just said hello and, and and best of luck on the on the upcoming season. And, and he was just a, a real uh, classy guy. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I really look forward to uh, watching a lot more games uh, in the queue uh, from St. John and his progression, and and also, you know, reading more about him as you follow him. Yeah, it, it, I think you hit the nail on the head. This he's a quiet kid. Um, you know, he does his talking on the ice in, in St. John, and I think <clears throat> he's he's going to really have a, a big impact on on St. John this year as far as a leadership role. And, uh, you know, he, he wasn't given an A or anything like that, but you don't have to be a leader to, to have a letter. Oh, absolutely. Uh, some, some, sometimes those Barsmith guys are the ones that uh, can really step up in the locker <clears throat> room and on the ice and give that valuable opinion that everybody needs. Exactly. And, and here's a kid that um, saw some, some time, you know, in development camp on the wing, but he, he is a centerman and, and it takes those those tall guys, six two, you know, six three, those tall centermen, you know, a lot longer time to understand and you know progress as a centerman. You know, you look at um, you know third and fourth line centermen around the league. Um, you know, I, I use Gregory Campbell as a, as a example. You know, Campbell's of course a better skater than Cedric, at, at, you know, right now, but in his prime. But 
said I see, I really see Cedric kind of turning into that that type of player, shutdown guy, but offensive, uh, good instincts. But he he just he loves playing center, and I, I think you know Mark. It's rare, and you you mentioned those two guys with him. They they love the game, and I think that speaks volumes to their character. And I think the Boston Bruins have done a tremendous job at drafting and developing. Uh, over the uh, the Sweeney era, and uh, hopefully that continues. All right. So, if you're basing his success on 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 what you know and so on, let's 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 go out of the box here, Craig. And I want to get your opinion because a lot of Boston Bruins fans right now consider Cedric Pyre a split personality just by the way he looks. Have you heard anything <laughs> about the way he looks? Yeah, I've seen. I, I I've met him and talked to him and. Yeah, I've seen he, he's uh, between sp- spoons and and Burgie, right? Exactly. Oh, you, <laughs> you're good. Yo, you're real good. <laughs> that was, yeah, I was hoping that was going to bust you on that, but obviously you uh, you're very well aware about what's going on with the look thing. And uh, um, so, with that being said, I mean, can you can you see even though you think that he's a bottom six professional, soon to be, um, do you see any part of those two styles in his game at all? Oh, I, I see a lot of, you know, I, I think it, this kid wants to be as solid in the face-off dot as, as Bergeron. Um, I, I just, there's something about this kid. I think, again, you know, I'm putting my scout cap on. Um, I, I see this kid really developing, really turning into a, a power forward. Um, and I think... This is a perfect example. If this kid gets stronger, he's going to be a better skater. He's going to get quicker. And <clears throat> really, they've the development camp, and I'm glad you mentioned that he really took a lot of things in. That development camp opened his eyes. This kid changed his eating habits, was at the gym five times a week, was power skating three times a week. Like, this kid bought in and... You know, you got to credit the kid um, for working so hard and coming back to main camp and coming back to development, um, you know, the prospects tournament and, you know, putting in a, a valiant effort. Again, it's a late late round draft pick, but I, I see a lot of good things, uh, you know, as far as Cedric Parhey is concerned. Yeah, well, when you say when you say that, it just reminds me of what you said earlier about Alan Bissonnette. Maybe it's not the numbers. Maybe it's not the sixteen points that he put up in 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 sixty four games last season that that caught the eye of the Bruins. Because I guarantee it's not. Because um, there's many other players that just had better numbers. But maybe it's that work ethic that Alan saw, and 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 him fitting into where uh, the Bruins um, uh, groom and 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 you know mold a player at the at the that his age into um, being a future professional, but maybe maybe it was something that they saw off the ice that that bought in. Well, and and you know under Danny Flynn, you know former Flynn's basically had success at every level that he's coached. He's um, with Portland uh, this season, but here's a coach that demands a lot from his players and has you know, a great system in place. And Cedric didn't look out of place, Mark, in, in that system, especially defensively. And here's a kid that he wouldn't get playing time 
if he didn't fit in that system. And again, the sky's the limit. You give this kid some some you know solid a couple solid camp uh, campaigns here at the junior level, and and he's going to hit his stride. I, I really do believe he's going to hit his stride and and i think you're right in saying that i think it, it he fits in this defensive uh framework and and um he fits the build you know he's a he's a he's going to be a hopefully a good bruin in uh in three or four or five seasons awesome i i really look forward to uh watching his progression now that he's he's uh officially a um a property of the boston bruins so uh, my tract is now on, and I, I I can't wait to to pay more attention and follow up, and and definitely um, read more of your stuff. And I absolutely recommend anybody, please, if you're on Twitter, uh, follow Craig Eagles. He's a great follow, great writer. puts a lot of his stuff on LinkedIn, which is is absolutely great. And I love sharing his stuff because it is quality stuff. So uh, please follow Craig at uh, E A G S thirty seven on Twitter. Uh, Craig, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate this, and I really look forward to talking to you um, maybe in a month or two after you've seen uh, a better sample size of Cedric Pryor, and we could talk about him a little further. Well, definitely. And, and opening night to, of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, the uh, the Halifax Mooseheads and St. John Sea Dogs, uh, the place was packed full of scouts. Of course, Halifax have some great uh future NHLers on in their lineup and of course Mark hey St. John Sea Dogs Joe Valeno he's ranked fifth right now um it's it's going to be a, a good season in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League for prospects so hey hopefully the Bruins don't have the, the fifth pick overall <laughs> <laughs> right but uh hey hopefully they keep uh, selecting the guys from the Canadian Juniors because I love the hockey up there it's it's uh it's top notch so uh, again, thank you, Craig, so much for the time, and I really appreciate it, and I uh, look forward to uh, reading your content and hearing about you um, wherever you, uh, you're available. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Take care. That was Craig Eagles. We thank him very much for uh, coming on the show. Um, thank you very much for listening, everybody. We really appreciate this. Uh, we talked to Colin Bestwick earlier and uh, obviously just got done with um, Craig Eagles. So thank you very much, and we'll talk to you next week. tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at blackandgold277, at courtlalonde, and at rob40bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.